Welcome back to the November 29th edition of Out of Context, where the record for the most female orgasms is 134 in one hour. I am your host, Walker AC, and to you, my friends, yes, you are my friends, I am known as Adrian. And now to comment on her 135th orgasm of the day, Ashley Majestic. Hey, Ashley, how's it going? Did I misheard that? Like, are you saying orgasms or orgasms? Orgasms. The record for the most female orgasms is 134 in one hour. The fuck did that woman not have a heart attack? I okay, you know because typically, so a female or female orgasm is supposed to be like real. I don't know because obviously, as I am not a man, I do not identify. I, I cannot. I can only imagine like how the feeling is comparable, and they could be the same. But all I can think is like, holy shit! In one hour, that's. I would think that's more. There's a condition. Because there's a condition, I don't know what it's called, but I'm going to find it out right now, that people can have where pretty much is you're constantly feeling orgasms and you cannot control it. Um, yes, and there is a condition, um, and I read it somewhere, I don't remember where, it's inconsequential, um, but a gentleman in his uh, early 20s, he got into an accident somehow, hurt himself, and now he has orgasms uncontrollably, not at will, involuntarily. He says it's the worst experience of his life. And so, I mean, a male orgasm is tremendous, but if it's back to back to back, that's the cause of death. So, yes, as you look that up, I can't even imagine even something like that happening. But it's a pretty interesting fact. Yeah, no. A persistent general arousal disorder, PGAD, is a phenomenon in which afflicted women experience spontaneous general arousal unresolved by orgasms and triggered by sexual or non-sexual stimuli eliciting stress the current case is a 40 year old female who experienced such orgasms for about a month so i mean holy shit that that's amazing but uh i love how you kind of started off with that because i found out something really weird i i read my own thing so apparently when you know a male, female, or whatever. Basically, um, when someone gets money shot on their face and the the splooge that's there. So apparently, the splooge went on your face because it's cells, it's like sperm, all that stuff that's basically alive. It looks at, it senses your eyes and because your eyes kind of have the same texture in a way, I guess, it is, I don't, I, can't, I cannot explain it scientifically whatsoever, so I'm butchering it. Basically, it looks at your eyes as eggs. So when splooge hits your face, <laughs> those cells and things are trying to make their way into your eye because it thinks your eye is an egg. So if for all my fellow peoples that enjoy that, um, wipe your face immediately if you do it. Um, or if you are like giving, you know, you are, you are supplying the order, make sure you have a rag on standby because you're gonna have eye babies. Now that reignites my new love of porn now, because I haven't watched porn in decades. So now with this new little fact, I'm gonna look out for that particular thing at the end. I'll fast forward through all the, hey, how you doing, weird porn music, and I don't have money to pay for this kind of thing. I'll just shoot straight for the end, no pun intended. And uh, yeah, I mean, see where it lands. Hmm. I mean, is that why there's some people that say that they can see having kids in their future? Zing. Oh, yeah. Now, see, that should have been saved for the end of the show. That truly should have been saved. No. Oh, listen, I, I have a list. I have a list of things. I uh, I've, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but I know you and I have talked about before, is that I have a, a 
you know, a notepad in my phone, and one of the files on my notepad is dad jokes and puns, and they're color-coded. So basically, the ones that are color-coded are the ones I've already brought up on the podcast, or like at the end or something. A lot of them is just either I see them on the internet, I read them, I hear them, or if something comes to mind, I record it and put it in that immediately. So I have my own vault of horrible jokes in my phone that I can be ready to use at any time. But just like now, sometimes my brain just works it up. And you guys might hear me say, Jack, I have a German Shepherd puppy who is currently whining like a little baby because he's in my room. I have my doors locked. Jack, hey. Stop. Thank you. He's currently in my room with the doors shut because when I'm recording, I keep my room my room shut, of course. He cannot be trusted in the house. Uh, he, he is a puppy. He will destroy things. And right now he's mad because he wants to play with my other shepherd that can be trusted. And I won't let him play with his toy because he's being very loud with it. So it's, there's, he gets, I don't know if people can hear him whining, but my door's not too far from where I sit. So he's like going, because he wants to play. So yeah, so you're going to hear me say occasionally, Jack and, you know, Silencio. Just, just ignore what I'm saying there because I'm just talking to the puppy. Now, one would think, being one of the hosts of the show, I mean, we really can't ignore you. But I digress. I mean, we're going to file this under white people problems. Um, how's your Thanksgiving? How, how, how did that go? Uh, it didn't go. I don't do Thanksgiving because I don't have the family to do Thanksgiving with. Um, I, I, and I, I mean, I, I'm serious. Uh, I mean, I have relatives, of course. Uh, I have my brother, his kids, I have, you know, grandparents, I have a mom, but my mom was in Ohio with my brother, my grandparents are too old to travel, and uh, the relatives I have in Georgia, I love them, I know they love me, I don't, I would like to think it's not intentional, but they never invite me to come up there for the holidays, so each Thanksgiving, it's just myself and my husband, and we just chill at home um i'll usually cook like i'll just make a dinner i, I don't do turkey thanksgiving stuff i'll just like it's like steak dinner. usually it's like a steak dinner um i feel like it's just uh you know everyone's having turkey and stuff i'm just gonna make steak um and then we just cleaned we detail cleaned the house so we didn't have to worry about it over the weekend so that was my thanksgiving how was yours it was pretty nice all the family came over they cooked in multiple houses brought their food to mine I fed everyone. I cleaned up, of course, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was a good thing. I really don't mind uh, whatsoever because I like being a loner. It's no big secret. I'm a very private person. But when family comes over, you know, we eat and reminisce and tell horrible jokes and you know and have a good time. So yeah, my Thanksgiving wasn't too bad. Now it's time for Christmas and decorate the house. And you know, me being Mr. Dad, I'm gonna decorate my own dad way, which means very lazy way of decorating. Not really a not really a decorating kind of guy. I put up my tree, put up my lights, little things here and there, but nothing too detrimental to uh, to, to Christmas. I mean, are you a big decorator? You and your husband, do you guys like to do all that fun stuff around the house or just keep it simple? I do. Um, I do the Christmas lights around the house. I, I mean, when I was a kid, my dad would do it, but we've just never done it because I know it takes a lot of work. And I see a lot of really great Christmas. I mean, I live in a cul-de-sac and almost all my neighbors is just you look out my front window or you go outside you're blinded because everyone has really awesome 
overdone in a really good way Christmas lights. But we're like the only house that doesn't do it. And it's simply because it's not like, you know, we're being Scrooges. It's the time it takes. It's having the extra money to do so. And with us not having kids on top of that, it also adds into why we don't we do not do it. I would like to at some point. Uh, my, ne- my neighbor to my left, it's very simple. She just has like uh, lights around her flower beds. And then she has the two deer, the light up deers that are reindeer. That's it. And she just has two. So it's very simple. So something like that I could do, but again, money. I always tell myself every year, oh, I'll buy it when it's on sale so I can do it next year, and I always forget. Um, but I like doing the tree. I like having simple decorations around the house. I don't make my house look like Christmas threw up in it. Uh, actually, last year, I bought myself a nine-foot-tall Christmas tree, but I haven't put it up yet. You, normally, I put it up right at the beginning of November, because to me, when it hits November 1st, I'm gonna start listening to Christmas music. I am that person. And, but between my birthday party, my going to Savannah, doing all these things, I didn't have the time. And now with it, it's either, if I don't do it this weekend, I probably won't do it at all. And my biggest debate now is because I have puppy, will it be safe to have Christmas tree up? That's a whole nother story because Sherbert the cat here loves Christmas trees. So that may be a little bit challenging and lights and everything, but I think we survived last year. So we'll give it a go this year and uh, Castle, you know, Castle Walker number two. So I'm definitely keep my fingers crossed. Now, of course, as we share our witty banter here and there, just the opening parts of the show, we do have a couple of topics we want to get into. But first, before we do, I'd like to send a special thank you because we're looking at the stats. I'm all about the stats here at the Walker AC Experience, yeah, in an Out of Context podcast. And wouldn't you know who won the pony? We have some more listeners from around the world. So are you ready for this one? This is interesting. Go for it. Okay, of course, we have the U.S. We have listeners in the U.S. Now, these are stats from November 1st to November 30th. So, United States, you know, we have 146 you know, listeners. Now, this doesn't count all the other apps. This is only for Podbean. So, the numbers may be a little bit different. So, listeners in the United States, listeners in Canada, listeners in the United Kingdom, listeners in Mexico, um, your favorite people, Turkey, still dealing with us. That's awesome. Okay. Some, yeah, some in Vietnam. And now, we have a newbie. We're going to welcome Ireland to part of us because the people in Ireland listen to us now. Can you believe that? Oh, gosh, that's so awesome. Welcome. Welcome aboard to this very sad but yet very entertaining podcast. I am glad that you have joined our cult. I mean, they must like something about us. I don't know what it is, but hey, I'm not sneezing at it. I'm good. And one last thing before we get started. So I'll make this fairly quickly here. So take this ride with me. So we have uh, American stats. Now, once again, this is all based on Podbean. Thank you for podbean.com for this. Uh, Of course, we have listeners in Florida, Ohio, California, Michigan, Illinois, Alabama, Arizona, Connecticut, New York, District of Columbia, and North Carolina. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. And two more, Nevada and Pennsylvania. I feel like what you should do the next time you're saying stats for, for United States because we have 50 states, I feel like next time you should be like, oh, this many states out of 50, now listen to us. Uh, because I, I see that we're slowly climbing. Are we anywhere near the top 
no, we're not near like the top where like Joe Rogan's there. Maybe one day, but as of right now, we're not there. But we're slowly climbing, so I think it'll be interesting that as we start building more and more, like, oh, we have 13 out of 50, we have 20 out of 50, we have 32. Like, just to see how much it climbs, see if we can reach everyone in the 50 states, and then I'll be like, I am your president now. <laughs> I'd love to do that. And I, you know, and I keep telling myself to stay humble that there are millions and millions of podcasts just all over the world. And if we can make a small dent in the world, then we've done a good thing. And I believe we've done a good thing. I don't think we're in the top 50,000. I don't think we're in the top 100,000. You know, but I just think, you know, there will be a little small crack, a little small dent in a podcast world. You know, people are listening. Uh, people find us entertaining or they hate listen or just whatever you call it. But they're still listening. So that's something I really do appreciate. So everyone from around the world who is listening to our show, downloading our show, we really do appreciate it. And we just keep it going four years in. Yeah, we're still going strong, so I do appreciate that. But a couple of topics of the evening, and uh, I'll go first. So, what's worse in life? Because I know at our age, as we get older, we hate less and less. I, got, I, I can only speak for myself, I guess. I would assume you as well. Right. We get older in life, we hate less and less? Yeah, we hate less and less. What? 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 planet are you living on do you not realize of how many old people that we come across almost every day and they're like i hate them kids i hate them hippity hoppity <laughs> music and you know you see how bitter a lot of older people are but then again they didn't have tiktok when they were younger so that that can that can play into some things but like i don't know oh you know what continue continue <laughs> see this would be an interesting one because what i mean by hate i you know i have a general disdain for the public you know, I don't want to be around people. I don't want to be out and about. I'd rather be in Castle Walker just relaxing because I'm at that point in my life right now to where making friends is difficult like we spoke on before. Or being in large crowds of people is not really my thing. The last crowd of people I was in was I saw my uh, son's graduation. And there were so many people. And, you know, of course, I tuned them all out just to see my son do his thing. But the following week, I was sick for seven days straight, being around so many people and germs and slobbering all over each other and whatnot. But what I mean for the common hatred is just for, like, if you have an enemy or if you have, you know, someone that's disrespected you or done you wrong, something of the sort. And I thought about that a little bit. And I think back, you know, to all the times where I was quote unquote wronged and stuff like that. Have I developed a hatred for them in this portion of my life? And I really don't. I don't hate my quote-unquote enemies because I don't have any. I have plenty of people that don't like me, but I don't hate pe I don't hate those type of people. I'm not disappointed in them, and I'm not really indifferent to them either. I just don't want to be around them anymore. I don't want to associate with them anymore. I don't want to reconnect. I don't want to rekindle. I don't want to extend an olive branch. I just want to be done. You know, so because if you think about it, if you hate a former friend, hate an ex, hate a relative, you know, hate anyone in your inner circle, you're giving them that energy and that power because you're wasting the energy thinking about them or wanting something bad to happen to them or stuff like that. No matter what, you're giving them your energy. So what are your thoughts on something like that? I mean, how do you feel about, you know, people that you don't like due to whatever reason? 
So I get from kind of in like the same category as you almost. It's I don't spend a lot of my time focusing on people I dislike. Uh, I kind of do my own thing. Uh, I, I guess I don't really have hate because hate is where you just think about all the time like wow I can't stand this person and you feel frustrated for me it's like I'm frustrated in the moment it might last a little bit but I try to have it gone before the day is over with um I there's people there's most type of people I can't stand is you know extremists uh where someone's overly you know in love or supportive it can be a political party it can be a religion it could be fiction it could be whatever you know it's just I don't like it when someone's extreme about it. It could be in the positive or the negative, but it's just, it's very, very loud. And for you to have 50 bumper stickers telling me about what you think about things, it's, for me, it's like, really? I mean, again, people have their opinions. People have their own thoughts and ideas, even if, regardless if I agree or not, it, that's what they want to do. And I'm fine with that. You know, it's just, when you're screaming it at me, I don't, I just, it turn, it's like a big turn off. And that's not saying like, you know, sexually, it's just a turn off as in wanting to deal with you at all. And I know I come off as like an extremist for things I like. It's, you know, like Star Wars, things like that. But I really am not, I don't have a bunch of Star Wars stuff just glaring at people. I don't scream at people on the street that I love Star Wars. And it's just more of a banter, you know, like friends I can do. But other than that, it's just, I don't need to make the whole world know what I do enjoy or what I don't enjoy. Despite me talking on a podcast, it's saying, saying exactly like that, the irony. <laughs> but I don't, I don't just sit here and think about what I do and like what I don't like, what I can't stand. I have enough mental and emotional problems that focusing on those things is very toxic to me. And I used to be that person that was very hateful and felt very angry. And over the last few years, I've learned to adjust and change that and then I think me being on anxiety medication also has helped me in that way to deal with my how I think and feel about a lot of things so now it's just kind of well I'm not going to say I'm zen like you are but it's more of I'm kind of neutral towards a lot of things I kind of just ignore it or I just brush it off and it's like dude I don't care you know I'm just here to have a good time I'm just here to have conversation if you want to scream and shout you know, you take that to where, you know, you want to take it. Um, and again, I don't ban I don't diss anybody on what their beliefs and political views are. As long as how I was raised by my dad was, as long as you're good to yourself and you're good to those around you, that's it. And when I say that, as in, it's not just your friends and family, as in that's who's around you. It's people in general. So regardless if I believe or I agree with how you're living your lifestyle or what you're saying or what color hair you have on today, is it personally afflicting my life? Are you damaging me? No. So why, why do I need to reciprocate and do the same to you? So that's, that's where my mentality is regarding that. Of course. So my main thing is, my question to you is, you know, you've had friends throughout the years or relationships throughout the years. How would you react if, if one of those people, I guess, turned against you? You know, would you still have that hatred in your heart or that disdain in your heart if you saw them years down the road? You know, would you still be indifferent? Would you still have the anger towards them? Or would you still just treat them like a common stranger walking down the street? So, the thing is that I've been doing that already. 
I've been through people doing treating me that way. Uh, just I've been backstabbed. I've been betrayed. I I mean I've gone through every corner of how things can turn for the worse for relationships, whether it's friends or romantic or family. It's you know before I used to be hurt. I used to be hateful about it years ago because that's all I would feel back then because that's what the journey of my life has been with people I've known and now it's more of like like for instance there was a girl I was friends with since middle school and um, her and I started working together she helped me get my first job and you know, we were, we were fun, we were hanging out, I was getting my ride with her, to, we would carpool together to and from, and lo and behold, she slept with my boyfriend when I was in the same house, but I didn't sleep, and I just let it go. Um, I, like, honestly, I would I not let it go as in, oh, we're still friends, no. I stopped being her friend. Uh, I did want to throat punch her, but I just told her, I just got out of her car when she admitted it to me, and I told her I never wanted to see her again. And so now fast forward to now, let's say she, I just happened to run into her in public and she's like, hey, you know, she brings up the past. I just wouldn't feel anything towards her. It's not like, oh, you're that bitch that uh, slept with my boyfriend. You're, I, I just wouldn't feel, think that. Now, would I want her to be in my house with my husband? Of course not, um, because I would have to commit murder if she so much as even tried to touch my husband. But it's not me sitting here thinking, I just won't feel anything for that person. Yeah, and I understand that fully. And it took me many, many years, you know, to have that, uh, to have that mindset, I guess. And because once again, when we're teens, you know, you get hurt easily and you get upset, you know, over Becky or, or Brad, how they treat you and, you know, how they talk about you. But being at our age now, we're like, oh, you don't like me. Okay, that's wonderful. I'm going to go take a dump knowing you don't like me as life goes on. Um, but I build up more of not necessarily an indifference to those who have wronged me. I just really don't think they exist anymore. And I built that mentality from, from my older brother. Long story short, I went through a particular dark period of my life you know, to where I was affected, you know, by those who have done me wrong and stuff of that nature. And my brother called me one day, just out of the blue, randomly. And he goes, the best thing you can do is forget, the, is uh, remember they existed. And it took me a couple of minutes to really think about that. And he goes, just think about it. You're wasting all this energy on the people that have done you wrong and that you're angry and you want all these questions answered and you want this closure just forget they exist and life will move on because I guarantee you they forget you exist too. And then that little aha moment, the little light bulb moment flicked off in my head and I'm like, wow, really? That's, wow, that's a really good plan of attack. And I like that, you know, because you are taught, whether it be parents or friends or movies, you're taught that you must seek that revenge, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's you know, some verbal revenge because you have to get the last word to let that particular person or persons know that they had an effect on your life negatively. You know, all you've done for them and stuff like that, all the inconsequential stuff that means nothing. But you want that last say because you want that relief, you know, to know that you got in the final blow, the final Hadouken on them, you know, to let them know how you feel. But if you just forget they exist, 
you really have nothing to waste your energy on. That's just my own humble opinion. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I agree with you. That's because I'm sitting here thinking about all different scenarios and how I, because as you're saying that, I'm thinking about different people in my life that are in the past, I should say, that have wronged me, that have, you know, like did me wrong and things. And it's just, I just don't feel anything. You know, for example, with, um, you know, regarding to your friend, Brady, um, I remember probably like the first podcast I had was with you and uh, it was me just being venting and just very angry and resentful towards her and what she did to me at racetrack. And now, um, now here in the future, it's just, if, if it were to happen now, I would have a conversation with her, but like, why did you do that? I mean, why, why would you feel like that was necessary? Um, there would be hurt there still, of course, but, like, but why would you feel to do that? But now, would I have a conversation with her now about it? Probably not, because this happened several years ago. I'm, I've grown as a person. I would like to think she's grown as her own person as well. So to me, it's like, okay, what happened back then doesn't really matter. Um, the only thing I'd say is like, wow, I really hate that. I was that hateful about it, but I let go of it. So that's a good example. That's a good example that the best I could describe to other situations that have happened to me in that sense is just, it is what it is. I can't fix it. And I'm not going to let it bother me now. Yes. And you are correct. And it's, it's interesting to see what changes we go through as we get older. Not more or less changes. I, I, I don't want to use that word change because nobody changes, you know, but we just evolve as, as, as human beings. And there still is that small percentage of people who haven't evolved and they still have that, that uh, juvenile way of thinking about it, I guess. And that's kind of a harsh way of putting it. But yeah, when you think about, you know, the past and everything, you're like, wow, I'm not really that same person as I was 10 years ago or five years ago or not even two days ago. So that's something that was on my mind. I wanted just to get your opinion on, but I know you have something for us also. You kind of, you know, made the mood all feelings and therapy sessions and things like that. So I guess like I kind of want to bounce off because it's made me think of my own where you're talking about past relationships such as friends and, and like romantical. What about family? Like has anyone in your, like you don't have to go into a story or detail or anything because I know you're a private person. But has there been instances where you have family members that have done the same to you, that have hurt you, that have just basically wronged you? And, you know, do you have a relationship with those people or that person to this day, or do you just not talk to them? I do. I do. It really took a lot to look past that because the reasoning behind those chain of events really never made any sense to me. And it wasn't for me to try to pry out the information to find out why. Because as humans, we always want to know why. Even though it may hurt us or we may not understand it, we always want to find out why. So I never got that particular reason and it hurt for the longest time. But then I realized, and of course it's the old cliche, family's family. You know, or family will hurt you the worst. But I chose to look at the positive side of it and I told myself without giving away too much that family would do what they want to do. They don't really owe you anything. Nobody owes you anything. Whatever they choose to do is whatever they choose to do. You know, you have the option of letting it just stew inside of you and make you bitter and hateful and spiteful, 
or you can let it go and you just distance yourself from that particular aspect of them. So yeah, I've, I've been through it more than once. And what about you? Well, so for me, I kind of grew up not really having family in a sense. It's parents, the one, uh, I have multiple brothers, but one of them I was actually raised with, unfortunately. And, and then as an, like extended family, not really. They were just names I would hear from my parents, but no one in specific that I was close to or met more than a handful of times in my life. And so I kind of grew up not really having that family feelings like, oh, my cousins, my aunts, my uncle. I just didn't have that. It was just my parents and my brother. That was it. And as I got older, becoming 18, 19, 20, um, you know, I was, I really didn't have anybody. And I met my husband. I kept, during this time period, I kept my dating life very private because I could, I disliked how I would see on social media some of my friends in high school or, you know, that I just happened to meet that every time they found a boyfriend or girlfriend within the first week or two, the love of my life, my soulmate, my, the king to my queen. And, and then a week later they break up and it's like, you know, things happen for a reason. And then a week later, it's like, I really found my true boo. And I just hit, for me, it, it was just another thing that's like ugh, cringy and I don't like it. So. I kept my, like, my dating like very private. I wouldn't let people know if I'm dating this person or that person or if I'm dating at all. Uh, because I was always afraid that like, hey, I'm talking to somebody, they're really nice. And then two weeks later, it's like, poof, they're gone. And I have to explain that. It's like, hey, I just didn't work out. So if someone happened to meet the criteria where it lasted more than a month, then I would start telling my best friend. And then the longer, the more people would know. But again, it was very hard to meet that because I have standards, because my very first boyfriend, horrible. Anyway, fast forward to my husband. Uh, so I remember dating him and my husband's not from here. He's from a country called Jordan in the Middle East and he's Muslim. And I mean, I've dated everyone on the rainbow. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've dated my fair share of people, but you know, this is the first, like, no, I wouldn't say it's the first person, but it's the fact is that my parents didn't really know my dating life. They know I've dated a few guys here and there. So I remember calling my mom because I was excited, like, hey, this guy, you know, I really like him. I actually do want him to meet my parents. And I remember calling my mother and starting to say, hey, so there's a guy I'm dating. And her first response was, what country is he from? <laughs> and that just kind of was like, wow, okay, well, I explained it. And as my parents got to know him, like, they, they really did like him. Uh, I, I got a lot of feedback from people like, oh, how do your parents feel? I'm like, they, they like him. They, they enjoy him. Uh, so, my, and then my grandparents met him. Same thing. They, they enjoy him. They asked him all the questions, the, all the questions that you'll hear on the news. And they're like, oh, what? How's this done? How's that done? But like them. Fast forward to us getting engaged and coming for a wedding. I was inviting. It was, going, it was not going to be a big wedding. Uh, because we only had so much money back then and the more guests the more money so I wanted to invite my brothers and some of my extended family that I was starting to talk to and nobody wanted to come um, it was just my parents my grandparents my best friend her parents and her two kids that came to my wedding that was that was the only people um, so it was very like I remember crying a lot because none of my own brothers wanted to come. 
And now flash flash forward, my husband and my brothers have great relations with each other. They they met him. Um, you know, they think of him as, you know, another brother. They call my husband Brown Bear. You know, they have nicknames, they romances. It, it it's all good now, but back then it was very disheartening. And because a lot of people, including some friends, didn't believe in my marriage, it was either I was pregnant or and or he was using me for citizenship. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, he's been a citizen for a few years now and he hasn't left me, surprisingly. I have not become pregnant and I do not intend to anytime soon or at all, uh, despite what Adrian wishes. So it's, so a lot of those people I've came across, even so my dad's extended family that I barely knew when they put their opinions out there, clearly they're like, I barely knew you anyway. So it, it took nothing, no energy to cut them out of my life. Um, with the family, like my brothers and their small their families like their kids like the kids are not to blame um they've always they always think of my husband as uncle has them and they love him but i when i think about now because it's been addressed to me because we're gonna be married for 10 years in a couple years because we just passed eight it's oh for your 10 years you guys should do like the reception you never had and or renew your vows or do all this and my simple thing was, why would I want to spend all that money and do all that for people that couldn't have been bothered to show up the first time? It, it's just, I, and I've said that to like my brother and my sister-in-law before, so, and they're like, you know, they got defensive, which was expected. I'm like, listen, it's under the bridge. But I did feel like I needed to say that was, I will never do something like that. I would throw, like, I, it's like my birthday or New Year's Eve party. Like, I don't need to do a wedding party again i don't need and i talk about with my dad now around so to kind of round up what i'm saying is i don't really have a good relationship with most with my with two of my brothers but the one brother i'm very close with and he's close with my husband so it went from him not being very happy with who i was with and who i was engaged with to loves him like he's a you know a brother so that so that's a easily you know it, it works out and then other people that were having their thoughts back then, I don't talk to them. And it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Do I wish I had a family? Sure, but I have my husband and I will take that any day. It's definitely a beautiful thing, as corny as it may sound. But yeah, yeah, um, I still have contact with family members that, you know, that have uh, definitely you know, done me wrong. And once again, never get that explanation, but it is what it is. And I will always fall back to saying, because of my age, because of my experience, I learned just to just to let things go and not try to overanalyze it or look for that particular explanation. Um, you know that will that will appease me because I know that's not going to happen. And even if I do get the explanation, it still won't do anything. So something like that, I just choose to let go. And speaking of letting go, I have one more for you before I bounce it back to you. Are you ready for this? Sure. Now this this will be a couple of parts, but I'll keep it I'll keep it kind of brief, and I'll have you go first this time. What's a common misconception about Ashley? A common misconception? Yeah, when, when when somebody meets you, and after a while they go, huh, you know, I didn't think you would be this way, or I didn't see such such and such in you, not necessarily your surroundings or your family or your husband, but about you. So I guess there's two. 
Um, the most common one I've heard over the years is when people first meet me, they thought I was a total bitch. Um, not because of how I would talk, but the straight face, my the resting bitch face. Um, so a lot of people I, wor I worked with in the past, uh, people that, you know, when we're not recording, I can say their names to you and you'll probably, you might remember them. Um, but a, a lot of common is when people first meet me, they thought I was a bitch because I wouldn't talk to anybody and I had the resting face when really it was, I was very shy. I didn't know how to talk and have open and just start having conversations. I'm still like that a little bit to this day, but I'm, I'm a little bit more comfortable in my skin, uh, depending on the situation and where I am. So that was a misconception is, you know, oh, I thought you were a bitch, but you know, lo and behold, you know, I mean, you are, but not in a negative way. And the next one is me being a confident person. You know, at work, my coworkers think I'm the most confident person in the world, a lot of friends. The way I, I show myself up, I have all this confidence. When on the inside, I'm actually a very horribly insecure person. I have a lot of insecure feelings. Um, am I gonna work on them? One day, but not today. It's, but I am aware that I'm a very insecure person, but not to the level that I'm very toxic. I kind of keep my insecurities to myself, which also caused me to overthink a lot, which goes back to me being insecure that built into me being shy or people thought I was a bitch because I wouldn't talk to them. Uh, so it's just a lot of things that happened to me throughout my life, a lot of things that were not okay. Um, that I've learned to have like an outer shell, a wall, a shield, however you want to put it. But way deep down inside, there's that Ashley that's never recovered and is always seeking, I won't say always seeking, but, you know, wants to be comforted sometimes, uh, say, hey, things that happened to you, those are not okay, and I'm sorry that happened to you, and give, and give a hug. It's, it's, it's kind of like that. So yeah, those are my two misconceptions, is people thinking I was a bitch to people to this day. Um, I don't really get that association when they, people first meet me anymore, but it's more of, I'm a very confident person and I'm like, I'm really not. I just pretend. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I'll do one for you and then I'll do one for me. When I first met you, my misconception of you, and I mean this in the most respectful manner, you looked very, very high class, very well kept, very well to do, you know, very, very self-aware, very confident, you know, person. Because when we worked together, you would walk in, you had this aura about you that basically said, hey, don't mess with me, you know, kind of thing, you know. I still have it. Yeah, yeah, you still have it. And when I would converse with you, once again, you had this radiate, this, 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 uh, this confidence radi you know, radiating about you. And speaking with you, I'm like, I don't know if I want to talk to her. I don't know if I want to interact with her, <laughs> you know, because, you know, she's on this higher level, this, this higher mental plane, this higher confidence plane, you know, that I really don't want to deal with. And then once we, you and I sat down for the first time and did our podcast together, you know, then I'm like, okay, she's down to earth. You know, she's just like me kind of thing. You know, her, you know, her speak, her tone, her personality is very leveled and is very down to earth. So, you know, that was one of my misconceptions about you. So it was, it was definitely entertaining. Um, any comment on that before I talk about myself? <laughs> so I guess 
And be, like how you described it, I mean, you're not wrong, but because that's where that's my protective shell that that overconfidence and like I, it's just that's what I just portray myself as. I just didn't know I was that good at it even back then. But I mean, you're not surprised. Uh, I mean, I thought like I guess it's because you're like, oh, you're not someone you want to associate with. But I remember us working all the time and we'd have a lot of conversations. But I guess my first. Uh, I don't really think so like at first impression I don't want to say like there was definitely nothing negative but nothing over it was just you know you're there and I guess it was the whole you nitpicking like when I would run a shift you nitpicking shit and I'm like I'm tired I'm gonna go I've pr I most likely pulled a double <laughs> because I did that a lot like I want to just fucking leave but <laughs> so I would get like a little irritated that you would nitpick stuff, but I would also turn it into a joke, which is me harassing you and like falling in like, don't mark that. Why are you marking that? Don't do that. Hey, I'll buy you an apple fritter. So I turned like my irritations that I had on you because I don't like work drama. So it's not like I wanted to like actually fight with you or complain to upper management. Like, oh, well, he's not there. I didn't do that stuff. I just, you know, my way was I'm just going to you know, jokingly harass you into befriending me and you won't be as much of a nitpick and if all else fails, I buy you an apple fritter. Yes, a way to a man's heart is do junk food, which which make my you know hips expand. Um, the common misconception about me is um, when people would see my face. You know, they would see me, they would see either angry black guy um, or very... And just kind of aloof kind of fellow and then when I started to speak that's when everything changed because um, I would you know have a phone a phone tone just like I do here and then people say oh is Adrian here and they go oh that's him over there and they see me and they go oh you're I'm like yes I know the voice doesn't match the face yes I understand and most people would think that you know um, I would act I would act in a very typical way um, the stereotypical black man way, whole nother story for a whole nother day. And then once they speak to me and they get to know me, they're like, oh, I thought you were, I thought you were uh, standard. I thought you were typical. But now you seem, you know, like you seem more laid back. You seem, you know, more, more zen, more relaxed. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. You know, or I thought you were this way. You know, so the common misconception about me is, you know, they think I'm this angry person. This angry combative person and then the moment I open my mouth and I speak you know then they kind of let their guard down it's the most common misconception about you know unfortunately most black people but just me in general I feel determined to one day I just want to see you angry at me I'm probably not uh, <laughs> but I just want to see like we, like we just happen to be hanging out and something happens and it'll be even more beautiful if it's something so minuscule like let's say we're having lunch and you know you just you went to go pick up a fork and it drops on the ground and you just lost your shit that's something i would love to see from you uh that would be the greatest gift you could ever give me is just lose your shit on somebody or just or not even it just something happens um you hit your shoulder on the corner of a wall when you're turning and you just go in a cussing like stream that would just be that would be amazing i would sit there and i would just be watching and being fascinated because I'm like, this, oh, this is a rare thing. Oh my gosh, this is like discovering an extinct, uh, a species that went extinct. Um, but I, I guess, so that's why I didn't have that um, misconception about you. I, just, I don't know, it's, 
I don't really, I'm not the type of person that, God, it, it sounds so cringy to say, I don't judge people like by their looks or you know, can't judge a book by its cover. That's very cringy to say it. And it's more of like, it's not that, oh, I don't, it's the, I kind of don't care. Um, I, that's where it goes back to, I just kind of focus on me a little bit. And depending how our first conversation goes, that's where the, you know, stuff starts happening. But as in looking at somebody, I've been more than caught off guard by people over the years, uh, even from being a kid. And then of course, the whole being betrayed left and right by a lot of people. It's another reason of, you know, just by looking at you, can I trust you? Can I not? Do you look like this? Do you look like that? I can't just assume it. So, um, I mean, does the, does, like the typical thing where you see that tatted up biker guy in sunglasses and the bandana walks in and he's like built and he's just like, Ugh. I will think I was like, I bet he has, he's a very rugged person, but I think on the inside, he loves hugging teddy bears. I like doing that. <laughs> Probably. Um, I like imagining people's like alter egos and what they do in private. <laughs> so that I will do. But, um, so I, and again, I think it was like, a, because I know when we worked together, there was people that just didn't like you and I just couldn't figure it out. I'm like, what, what what's the big deal? It's. It was kind of the, I guess, the way that how you would manage it, or uh, like nitpicking or whatever else. Um, but some people would just get so uptight over how you would run shifts, and it's not like you were a micromanager or you were like I don't know, maybe it was just my own personal thing, but I didn't have issues. So when people would come to me and complain or just gossip, but I'm just like I just don't see it. It's like I, I talk to them all the time and, you know, I, you know, I, I can get that, you know, oh, there's a piece of dust on the counter, check marks. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just never saw an eye with that. And I'm not saying that because we're friends now and like, oh, I don't want, it's just, I just never felt any of those things that people would just assume with you. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't see it. Well, I mean, you know, just just a small aside here talking about that, because once again, this can be a whole nother episode about our job history. Um, but that particular time in my life, I was going through a lot and I disconnected the moment I walked through the work doors. When I walked through the doors at work, it was work time. And I just focused on that. I just dug my heels in the job because number one, I mean, I really took pride in what I did. And number two, I didn't want that particular general manager coming in and being more nitpicky because I wasn't being nitpicky enough kind of thing. And that particular person rode, rode on me just for days and days on end. Every single shift, that particular manager would just climb up my rear, up one side, down the other, just, you know, because I wasn't being the type of manager that she wanted me to be. So that kicked in along with my personal life. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know, this is what this manager wants. This is what I'll give him. And I can care less who likes me or who doesn't like me. Because I knew, instantly I knew that, what, 80% of the staff didn't like me. And which made my job more and more fun <laughs> because I gave everybody a hard time. And nobody went to work with me except for yourself and a few other people. And for me, it was just fun. Because it was a very easy paycheck to do. It was a very monotonous, tedious job. And working overnights or working second shift, 
I just came in and just got my job done and I did 90% of the work while everybody stood around really doing nothing, just watching me and scowling and their face twisted up every time I would say something. It was great. Yeah, so I, that's kind of like how I've morphed into where I am now with my job. I, I, I enjoy where I work with to an extent that that problems with its company. It, exactly, but for the major, majority of it, my typical work day, I don't, I don't mind being there. I have a good relationship with my coworkers. There's really not a lot of drama happens. Occasionally, once in a blue moon, but nothing super serious. Uh, knock on wood. Um, and then I have a, a coworker that's also my friend. They, they have their own feelings, and I unfortunately I don't feel the same thing as they do. So it's kind of hard for me to understand, but I also come from a place where I've had these experiences in the past. I've worked in toxic work environments, far worse than what my belief is of what I, where I'm at now. And I'm like, I wish I could explain to them that it can be so much worse because I've been there. But you know, I can't tell someone how to feel and that's how they feel they're not happy. You know, I encourage them to do what's gonna make them happy. Whereas for me, um, even if I'm having a typical bad day, I would say, I don't try to carry with me that for the rest of the evening to the next day. I mean, if it does, there's times, I mean, there's times that we've had to push off doing a recording because I just had a really bad day at work. But by the next day, I try to let it go. Um, I try to go to work. I'm there to, at the end of the day, my thought process is I'm here to do my job and go home. The fact is that I can have fun and do shenanigans with my coworkers in the meantime, that's a plus but when there's some tension or some drama that happens every so often i phase right out of it i'm like nope i'm staying in my corner i am doing my work i do not want to get involved with any of that that's happening uh or whether train of thought is i don't understand why this is a problem i don't understand why you're so focused on this it's it's uh, for me it'd be like oh that's a little immature just have a conversation and one person's like i don't want to have the conversation the other person's like well I don't want to either. And how do you expect things to get resolved? Well, there's no point to it. Like, okay, well, it's either you gotta let it go or you have to deal with it. You can't just let it sit there because it's just going to, like, it's like taking sandpaper to your skin. Eventually you're gonna get to the bone and the entire process to that to the bone is not gonna be pleasant. So, so like, that's where your mentality is with, with the previous job back then. It's kind of like mine, but not in the same way uh, where yours, well, as you said, like 80% of people disliked you. Um, so you were just there to do your job, go home. Um, I do the same thing. I, do, I go there to do my job, pay my bills, go home. But it's a different environment. Uh, it just, it's just a job at the day. And that ah, shit. It's just a job at the end of the day. There we go. Birds. <laughs> Yes, and I will admit, with my current job that I've been at, it has been the most joyful, the most pleasant, the most relaxing job I've had in many, many years. And I won't lie, I've had those moments where I would I would look around and, and my fuse would get shorter, and then I would have to stop myself, take a step back and go, really? Am I getting mad about this? Am I losing my cool about this particular thing? My job is extremely simple in the grand scheme of things. There should be zero reason for me to even think about losing my cool or getting frustrated or wanting to snap back at a customer because what I do is so freaking simple that there should be no reason for me to get upset. There should be no reason for me to want to have stern words with anybody. 
And that's the perfect job to have. The perfect job is where you look forward to going in. Even on your worst days, you know, you wake up feeling like garbage or you say to yourself, I really don't want to do this until you go into the job and all of a sudden your mindset changes because you realize that they're paying me money to do this? Really? Okay, fine. I'll do it to the best of my ability, have fun doing it, and I look forward to going back tomorrow. So the job I have right now is just tremendous. It's it's really fun. But yeah, I, I, I never have a bad day. I never have a bad day at my job. Um, my previous job at Racetrack, since we've already said the name, uh, yeah. <laughs> there are stories. Oh, maybe we just let it slip out there. But there are but there are stories upon stories upon stories. One day we will do who knows how many hours of a podcast talking about our job and the many adventures, good, bad, ugly, and different that we've experienced. And uh, most of those people don't work there anymore. So if we said the name Bob, Joe, Beth, and Tommy, it really won't mean anything. You know, there are still some people that still work there. Oh, now, God, I know. Like, that's without now, saying name. I occasionally, I think you know what I'm talking to uh, about is occasionally we'll run into a certain person um, at a store that's closest to where you live. And they're still there. And I've given them plenty of opportunities like, hey, the place I'm, I'm working for has better benefits, way better pay, better time, hours, all this stuff. I could help you get there. And they're like, ah, no, I'm okay here. But then I'll see them post on social media, like how they hate it. I'm like, I, I was trying to help you. But listen, people, sometimes they'll stay into what's comfortable and steady and what they know um, and what it's considered safe. And the idea of branching to something brand new and starting all over, I can understand that that is scary. I went from a financial institution for four years to an I mean, another financial institution, but completely different area, completely different people, memories, like procedures. I went from a bank to a credit union. Um, it's a really big, like, it's completely black and white. It's very different. So it's, I can understand that, but it's like, I mean, again, that's, that's what you want to do. You, you do it, but I'm also going to sit here and think, but why there? <laughs> hey, and, and I have to give you credit. I have to give you a big thank you because... Remember when you left, you would reach out to me occasionally and go, hey, look, you know, why don't you try this bank thing? Why don't you apply at the bank thing? Why don't you, you know, go online, apply, you know, let me know when you when you fill the application. I'll try to get you in. You know, you actually took the effort, you know, being my friend, being my new friend to go, hey, look, you know, get out of there. Try something different. Now, of course, I have to say I'm not hating on anyone who chooses to still be there because, number one, it's stability. Number two, it's what you know. you know. And number three, you've been there for a while, so there is room for growth. So I don't hate, I can't hate on them too much because of my bad experience. It's not fair to them. But I just feel like, you know, there's so much more to life than just that. And if you feel, I, I don't know, I can't speak for anyone, but I don't like feeling stagnant. At that particular job, I felt stagnant, like I couldn't grow, like I was fighting uphill. So I had to make that change. Now, the way I made that change wasn't your typical way of doing so. I could have did, I could have did it a better way, but I had to get out. But if the people that I worked with all those years ago are still there and they're still making it, more power to them. But it just really wasn't for me. Yeah, no, I mean, same thing, but, but that was not going to be something I wanted to be in permanently, and I always knew that. 
Um, despite, I mean, that was my first long time job. Uh, I wouldn't say long time. I was there for four years too. Uh, but yeah, I, I, as you said, and as I said, it's the stability. It's safe. You know what the job is. If you don't want to leave, you don't want to leave. But that's the end of the day. No one can force you to do it. Like for me, I feel like unintentionally I have gone into the career of financial um, institutions and working with them. It is a very safe and comfortable job. I did not think I was going to be in this career. I, I really didn't. I thought I was the complete polar opposite of who I am to be in this kind of work thing. But here I am. And if I'm not saying I, I'm not looking for anything now um, because I do enjoy where, I, where I'm at. But if I were, I know the first thing I'll be doing is I'm going to look at other financial institutions. Uh, that's going to be my first go-to. And then I branch out from there, like administrative to other office type jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I mean, we've just had like a, this morning, actually, we had a big, huge meeting uh, about things that are going on in the company. Like nothing talk, like it's just basically communication between different departments. Um, it's gotten really bad to how some people that have been there for like four years plus to, you know, they're 15, 20 years older than me, if not more. And just the way that they talk to some like, people, like, you know, if like, hey, I'm reaching out to you for help because I'm not, like, for example, I'm not an expert in mortgages, you know. Um, I want to make sure I'm quoting the right things to this person that's asking. And then I kind of get sits back at, oh, you didn't do this? And, uh, oh, go read the manual. Like, okay, listen, I don't have time to look, look this stuff up when there's somebody sitting right here in front of me wanting this answer now. And it's very... I've just had a lot of bad run-ins with certain people and I got and I got to a breaking point actually a, few, a couple weeks ago that I was sitting at my desk and one of my managers was coming out because her her office is right next to where I am and she like she's just you know walking past me and you know she's like hey what's up and I, and I just simply I snapped not because of her but I was like hey um, I need to go home because I'm quitting. And she just froze on the spot. She's like, wait, what? What happened? And I was like, I just don't want to be anymore. I am quitting. I am done. Um, I was literally, like, I was taking off my name, like, my bag. I was getting my keys. I was just like, nope, I am just not doing this place anymore. Uh, but pretty much it was, it's the communication. That's, like, the biggest problem I have with, with where I work for. And so I just said, you know, I've... I have worked, my last job was a horrible place to work for, but I was not talked to like I was a dog or a child by anybody. And I refuse to be part of something where I know I do a really good job. I have great customer relationship. I have great working relationships with a lot of people. I'm very professional. I hit the goals. I am, I know I'm a really great employee, but the fact is that I get spoken to like this and this continues to happen. I don't need this. I, I'm 29 years old. I don't need this. It's, like why 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 need to waste my effort on working somewhere where they allow this to be talked to happen to good employees so i got involved uh higher-ups hr all that stuff and supposedly a lot of things are are getting ready to are getting ready to change so um, you know i am i hopeful no but i'm i'm you know gonna keep an eye out because you know of course my management and their management did not want me to leave so it goes from there and where you're talking about you know how your mentality is at work like for me at my job it's how it's a role as you're saying 
I like to make the joke that I should win an Oscar or, you know, I'm technically, like I turn into Barbie Banker when someone sits with me in my office. It's, hey, how can I help you today? How's it going? How's the weather? Oh my gosh, I love that jacket that you're wearing. <laughs> I, I, I turn it up a little bit, but that's how I get that really great rapport because I say it as in, I was hired for this job. This is a role I'm playing because this is what the company that I'm working for is paying me to do. They are not paying me to be actually me because boy, will we lose people real quick. Um, and this place will be in flames before I'm done with it. And that's what the job is. That's, I try to explain that. It's like, it's just a role. This is what we're hired to do. You know, you don't want to do this. You don't want to be this way. Then you need to go somewhere else. That's just, so when I go to any place, regardless if it's like a McDonald's, it's a convenience store, it's here, it's there. I understand like so many people from my generation that people are assholes and they will drain the life and soul out of you. But I just can't, I, if I'm having a bad day, I just can't take it out on a customer. It might not even be their fault. Um, maybe three people prior to that person is what put me in a bad mood, but I'm not gonna let that person know. It's not your fault. What's me talking to you like I have an attitude going to do for both of us? So when I see people that clearly hate their job, okay, um, leave it. I, and I understand it's not easy. The job market is horrible these days. So I know it's easier said than done. Uh, if you could leave that job for something way better, I'm sure you would have by then. But it's either, you know, you gotta make the best of your situation or you gotta get out. Um, but taking your frustrations and attitudes on people that had no reason to be where you, how you're feeling at that time, not okay. No, absolutely not. And you know, I, I believe that you and I are you and I are one of the one of the blessed ones to get out and you know have a job that we really enjoy, that we really like. Of course, like I said before, we'll have those moments, you know, to where we want to stab someone in the neck with an unsharpened pencil. But in the grand scheme of things, it's better than what we were doing, and it's a whole lot better than all the other jobs that are out there these days. Because once again, like you said, it's difficult to find work. It's difficult to find a good job. It's difficult to find something that you really like. And that you're excited about going to every day. And something like this, we'll have to do another show where we just talk about our old jobs. Because, who boy, the heat we're going to get out of that one is entertaining. And my last and final one on that is, I may mention a while ago in a previous show, that one night I was coming from a friend's house. Um, and I stopped by a racetrack to get gas. This was like almost midnight. Um, in a different part of town, I walked in and I saw one of the managers that I that uh, got promoted above me. And she looked at me and she said, hi, I was really kind of shocked. I just exchanged pleasantries and she asked me how life was going. I'm like, everything's going fine. And then she looked at me and she goes, oh, yeah, um, are you still doing your podcast? I'm like, yes, absolutely. And she's like, oh, yeah, I listened to the podcast you did about this job. And yeah, I spoke about this young lady, not by name, but I spoke about her. And she proceeded to tell me that, she, yeah, I listened to your show. I listened to that episode and I really enjoyed it. And she was actually being dead serious. So it just goes to show that, yeah, people from that particular job actually listened to what I had to say after I left. Go figure. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe the people are still, someone's still listening to this day and they're like, these these smooth brain sons of bitches. <laughs> hey, maybe we'll inspire someone to, you know, to go find something better, you know, so who knows. 
But speaking of better, are you ready for something better? I think we've uh, entertained these people long enough about our job histories. So you want something better? Yes, I do. Um, but I'm also like, oh yeah, yay, we're gonna we're gonna do this. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's rigged. Oh, see, so she says it's rigged. I think it's original. I think it's time for another round. <clears throat> Let me get my energy back up here. I think it's time for another round of America's favorite game. The game that brings people together. The game that ends wars. And the game that brings it into world hunger. And peace in the Middle East. It's time for Pick the Porn. Now what is Pick the Porn you may ask? That's a good question. So sit around the campfire kids. Grandpa has a story to tell. Pick the Porn is we're going to give you three titles. And you have to pick which one is the fake porn title. We're going to go for three rounds here. And Ashley Ashford, our famous co-host that hates this game, she's going to go first, and we're going to give her three topics, and let's uh, hear the vitriol that's going to spew from her when she gets them all wrong. Are you ready to play? Your microphone. Okay, there we go. Your microphone clicked. Okay. Number one, the general's balls. Number two, You've got mail, M-A-L-E. Number three, the booby guard. Which one is the fake porn? I want to say general balls because simply um, the last one, you said booby guard. Uh, all I can think is that can easily be turned into a porno where there's a female guard and obviously she's got a rack on her. And then I'm thinking of the middle one and that should definitely be a the title of a porn like you've got mail like okay it's the typical um pizza uh delivery they can but it can be turned into a mail instead so i i have to, i would like to go with number one all right the general's balls is correct that is the fake porn uh, yes <laughs> and of course a small aside here when this show's over when you get a chance to i'm asking you ashley and for those of you here listening google it yourself Look up a movie called The Killer Rack. It is on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. It's about a young lady who is flat-chested, who in her job she gets ignored for the bigger chested young ladies. So she goes and sees a quack doctor who installs a, uh, a, a cursed boobs on her. <coughs> Excuse me. And her boobs turn killer. And they kill and eat people. Hence it being called a killer oh. rack. Oh my god, yeah. So uh, I love how you tell me to look something up after the podcast, knowing I'm right here at my computer. Well, clearly, I'm already on uh, looking it up. So yeah, killer rack. This was in 2015. Oh my god. Okay. So like the synopsis for it is, and which you're, we were very close to how you explained it. A comedy about a woman suffering from low self-esteem who gets breast enhancement surgery unaware that her surgeon worships H.P. Lovecraft's Elder Gods. And the surgery is part of a diabol diabolical plot to rule the world. The trailer in itself is hilarious. But we're going to finish these two rounds. We shall say our goodbyes. But then you're going to have to watch it. And next week, I will get your opinion on that trailer. So... <laughs> Are you ready for round two? Yes. Stop watching it. Just wait. I'm not watching it, actually. <laughs> Title number one, Night of the Giving Head. Number two, Robin's Hole. Number three, The Bone Ranger. 
Which one is he fake porn? Can you give me the middle one again? Robin's hole. I want to go with... I want to go with number three. The Bone Ranger. That is incorrect. That is a real porn. You should have went with your gut. Robin's hole was a fake porn. Oh my god. <laughs> and, okay. finally, and finally, round three. Just for double points here, folks. Number one, the little spermaid. Number two, a few hard men. Number three, gulp fiction. Which one is the fake porn? I'm going to go with... What was the first one again? The Little Spermaid. Please let that one be the fake one. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are correct. The Little Spermaid is the fake porn. Two out of three. Not bad. You're getting much better. I was going to really... I mean, I already lost my my faith in humanity, but man, was it going to go much lower. (laughs) Um, Since we're done with that... When you told me about the movie The Killer Rack, it made me look up another movie that I watched. And it's, it's you know, these movies that we're talking about, these are the type of, like, B-movies, uh, which is really horribly made movies that also get very... Like, for instance, Sharknado. Um, it made me think of the movie called Velocipaster. Um, basically, the synopsis for it is after losing his parents, a priest travels to China where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur. At first, horrified by his new power, a hooker convinces him to use it to fight crime and ninjas. (laughs) So, yeah, um, I'm going to put that in the Discord, but for you to watch the trailer for it, but anyone else, look up the Velocipaster. There's another one. There's two more. Uh, I got... So, one, it's basically a killer tire. Yes, I've seen that. I have seen that. Yeah, it's called Rubber. Basically, it's, it's, you know, Robert, an inanimate tire, discovers his destructive telepathic powers. He soon sets. Like, uh, just, uh, man. Um, And then, where is it at? Okay, I remember the movie, the, the title, so I'm looking it up now. It's called Frankenhooker. I've seen that, too. You've seen it? Okay. So, I remember watching this as a kid. That tells you how very unsupervised I was. Um, <laughs> so, basically, this synopsis is a medical student sets out to recreate his decapitated fiance by building her a new body made out of Manhattan street prostitutes. So, as that explains, is he his fiance is dead, so he gets body parts from different hookers that are similar to hers to make a Frankenhooker. And there's a scene, I'm not going to be able to word it right, but it's my favorite scene out of that movie. Basically, the guy, um, he's walking through the house and, like, with the Frankenhooker, and there's a pimp that he walks past, and the pimp is like, where'd you get them legs? (laughs) (laughs) That was, like, again, I don't know the exact quote. I'm going to butcher it. He's like, where did you get them legs? Them legs don't belong to you. Those are one of my bitch's legs or something like that. But basically, it's funny, and it's like the what? So when I think of Frankenhooker, I'm always thinking, "Where'd you get them legs?" <laughs> now, a really good place to find corny movies like this, and you probably know already, is a free app, a free TV app you can put on your phone or on your TV itself. It's called Tubi, T-U-B-I. It's free. There are 
thousands and thousands of movies, TV shows, all for free. Download it. You can make up your own list of movies to watch, TV shows to watch. Um, I download Tubi. It's on my TV. Um, I told my mother about Tubi. She watches it as well because it has like classic TV shows, classic cartoons, horrible movies like Frankenhooker and, uh, and other movies like that. And also Rubber is on there as well. Um, also, there is a new movie coming out as we put a capper on this one. Did you hear about You're a Mean One? Yes. Oh, man. Um, someone just sent me the trailer for that, too. Yeah, one of my friends on TikTok sent me the trailer for it. I was like, at first, as I started watching, I was like, oh, this is one of those stupid TikTok recreate videos. And, but I'm like, holy shit, it's an actual movie they're making. But it's just like the Winnie the Pooh horror one. So I'm going to watch it. <laughs> so, but yes. I, I, before, because I know you want to put a capper on this, and I understand. But for anyone that's like looking up any of these movies, um, if you know IMDb, the website, that's where you can pretty much type in any of movies to look up things. So if you type in like Killer Rack or Who Lost the Pastor, um, if you scroll down towards the bottom of the page and it says more like this, you're going to find titles such as Lamageddon, Killer Sofa, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, uh, Spaghetti Man, Ouija Shark, Outback Dracula, Thanks Killing, Zombievers, Yes. Ooh, ooh, that's what we gotta do. That's gonna be another segment. Is you know, pick the porn, pick the B movie. That is gonna be entertaining. But that's I, gonna be like another segment. Oh, but I told you, if you haven't already, Ashley, trust me. Download Tubi on your television, and you will see a lot of horrible B movies. You will build a list, and you and your husband watching a whole lot of B movies for hours. I guarantee you. Oh, probably. Um, I. So I'll take your word for it, but because um, I know I can only imagine how long we how long do how long have we been recording? <laughs> We're going on an hour and fourteen minutes. <laughs> Holy crap! Well, I would say this is the first, but uh, clearly, you know, it's time to do some plugs um, for me. Typically, it's the same as always. You can find me on Instagram, Majestic Nerd Lady. Um, it's a private account, but you can request me. You can send me a message saying, "Hey, I'm one of your listeners from the podcast," and. You know, I'm more than happy to accept it and ch chat with you should you have any questions or you just want to shower me with compliments. That's fine, too. Um, any other social medias, uh, if you find me under that name or you find me by my actual name, should you discover it? It's either private for close family friends or it's not me or I do not use it. So my Just Ignore Lady is pretty much the only social media I am active on that I'm willing to share publicly as well. Cool. And of course, you can always find us here on walkerac76.podbean.com. That's walkerac76.podbean.com. You can find us on a multitude of free apps to download to listen to the Out of Context podcast, uh, service from Miss Bradley, the root of all Ashley, everything in between. Um, you know, so please, by all means, you know, download, listen to us, you know, give us a thumbs up everything like that because that will make the algorithm um, always recommend the walker ac experience boy it has been a wonderful interesting fun show we, we did this week and of course we can't end it blankly like this so i have to turn it over to you and i'll try not to pull my hair out on this final bit 
So hold on a second, because we were talking about like really bad movies. Um, so really bad websites. Dude, okay, I completely forgot that it still existed, but eBay. So you know how eBay used to be popular before Amazon? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is now set up. All right, because I hear that. Mm-hmm. But okay, do you still use eBay? Yes, do, I do. Do you still use eBay? Yes, I do. So I mean, do you use eBay for like rare things or because I know what Amazon is usually with everyday kind of stuff or things you want immediately. Of course, you don't have to go into detail, but like, what kind of things do you buy off of eBay? eBay. Mainly the comic books are just hard to find movies. Oh, okay. So that makes sense. Um, I mean, as a teenager, I was, you know, I used to use eBay too um, for movies, books, etc. But nowadays, like, I don't think of eBay because the last time I tried using eBay, I look, I try to look up lighters, and all they had was thirteen thousand matches. Wow. <laughs> Good night.